God bless you, saints. Good evening. Maybe we can turn the screen number 378. God is good all the time. A song we haven't sung in a little while, but I just enjoy, I enjoy this confession. God is good all the time. Amen. It's good for us to sing this. Trust you've come and just laid aside whatever the day was for you. We've come here to meet with God. Amen. I trust that God will bless you. We're going to hear from our brother Tim tonight. I'm certainly looking forward to that. And someone made a comment, we don't have very many visiting ministers. I'm like, well, we have so many quality ministers right here we don't have enough time for. So I'm looking forward to hearing Brother Tim this evening. So let's sing this together. When you're walking through the valley, amen, God is still good. Oh, when you're walking.
good to you? Praise our God. Justified. I've justified. Let's sing that together. I was sitting alone wondering about what I'm supposed to do. I can't deny the times I make mistakes again. service and a word of prayer at this time. I'm just going to invite our brother Tom to come if he would. I believe you want to go ahead and come this time, brother Tom. Brother Glenn, where are you? Why don't you come on up? Brother Glenn will be uh, traveling to China, and he's going to be away for a few days, and would ask, he asked the brothers to lay hands on him and pray for him. And we'd also like to pray for our dear precious brother EBA is in the hospital right now. They're going to be doing an MRI this evening. And the doctors are trying to tell us one thing, but we're going to take God at his word. Resist the devil and he shall flee. And so we're going to bind our hearts together. The devil has no room in this body of brother EBA's. Amen. We have a victory with Sister Linda's mother, and we've seen God do supernatural things lately. I just say, Lord, one more time. One more time. Expect the supernatural because it's natural for God to be supernatural. Amen. If you brothers would come, we'll pray with Brother Glenn, and we'll take this burden and need together before the Lord. If there's any that have any needs tonight, and you want to lift up your hand and say, Lord, 
remember me. Remember me. Heavenly Father, we approach your throne of grace this evening. Lord, as brothers are holding dear brother EBA in our hearts, Lord. Yes, Father God, the enemy has come. But greater is that God within us than that demon that would try to take his life. And so, Father God, we're asking that a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit would go in that hospital room, Lord, that you would raise him up for the glory of God. But not only, Lord, those cells are cursed, but granting him his eyesight, Lord. He has fought much, and we take the land, Lord, that is rightly given to your redeemed. It's a promise. And so, Lord, we take a hold of that promise. We'll walk in it. You sent your word in this generation. Lord, and that word came to heal the people. And so, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ that, Lord, we have no fear. But we ask, Lord, that you will give them perfect peace, knowing that you're a present God in a time of trouble. And so, Father, as we lay our hands upon Brother Glenn, Lord, we're asking that you will use him mightily, Lord. We know that the footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. We pray, God, that you will watch over him. Lord, as he would meet the different brothers and sisters, we just pray that he will be a light and an encouragement to the redeemed that are in China. Lord, I pray you give him safe journey. I pray, Lord, that the angels of God be dispatched, that the presence of Jesus Christ Yes, so just lead him every step of the way, yes, knowing Lord. that you're the great shepherd, Lord. Guide him, keep him, watch over his family. Yes, well, he's away and give him a safe journey home. Yes, Lord, in every other need that's in this room tonight, different hands were raised, Lord. God, you see the deep needs of the hearts of your children. We just pray now that you'll move over your people, that you will, Lord, meet every burden, every heart, every desire. We pray for Brother Dodd, Lord. We pray that you will anoint him. Yes, Lord. God, that you will use him tonight as he opens the word. It takes the Holy Spirit to unveil the word. So, Father, would you speak to us deeply, individually? We ask it all in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. seated tonight. There's been some, some dates and uh, just some of the uh, weekend dates up ahead, or should, should I say some dates of some weekends up ahead. And so I want you to listen real close. These will be reiterated on Sunday. So there'll be a double blessing of dates and times so you can't say, I didn't hear. And uh, if you didn't, it's just because you weren't, it must not have been at church. And uh, so we'll know that uh, upon that question. So we've got a couple things we're wanting to do in, in May and May 12th and 13th. So May 12th and 13th, that is this coming in a couple weeks. We're going to have a, a little bit of a, a weekend up at the camp. So that's a Friday night and Saturday for those that are 18 and up. Uh, 
I don't really have an age cap there, but it's just, you know, for the younger adults of the congregation, uh, single adults there, so 18 and upwards. That's uh, kind of focused for our 20s and 30s kind of realm. And we'll just have a night together. So that'll be a 7 o'clock uh, gathering at the camp there in the chapel. And then we'll have a snack. And we'll stay the night there. And then in the morning at a 10 o'clock, we'll have a 10 o'clock uh, gathering in the chapel as well. Then we'll have lunch. And, uh, and then it'll be a little just free after that, free time and whenever you want to, uh, to depart for the, uh, for the evening. And so that is on May 12th and 13th. And so you'll be just pleased uh, have dinner before you arrive. So there'll be no dinner on the Friday evening, but the uh, snack, breakfast, and lunch will be provided there at the camp. Registration for that, we need to know who's coming. So that will be on the website uh, in the next coming moments after the service. Okay, so that is for... For May 12th and 13th, and for anybody 18, it'll be anybody that's 18 uh, to the end of the year. So if you're 18 by December, same uh, way we do camp, 18 by, the, by December 31st, you're welcome to come. Sorry for those that are 17 and under, uh, under but we have camp and we have young people and such. So this is just a bit of a different weekend for, for that. Is that clear-ish? All right, good. And uh, as the brothers that come to the prayer meeting will know, everything I say here will be on... Um, on the app. That was very hard for me to say. For those that were at the prayer meeting, they'll know why, why, is, why that is. But nonetheless, it'll be there for you to, uh, to review and, uh, if you forget any of these dates. June 7th, uh, Brother Vernon's going to be coming. And so June 7th, there'll be no Wednesday service. Brother Vernon Manahan from Philippines is going to be here with the congregation. I know Brother Tom has been uh, speaking with him over the last several weeks. And uh, that's the weekend he'll be here. So June 7th, there'll be no Wednesday service. But there'll be a service on Friday, June 9th at 7.30. And then Sunday service on June 11th will be the same time, 10.30. So that's June 7th, no service, June 9th, and June 11th. There'll be services 7.30 on Friday, not 7. All right. Next one for you. Grad weekend. We're going to have a bit of a different grad weekend for our grads here. And we're going to have Brother Aaron McGeary. That's going to come, and uh, he'll be part of the, uh, the grad weekend and, and speaking for the grads on June 17th, and then he'll be here for Sunday morning service as well on the weekend on, on Sunday. And so we're excited to have Brother Aaron up here. We haven't had him and seen him for a little while, uh, many of you, and so we're just pleased to have Brother Aaron coming and visiting us on that weekend. So that's June 17th and 18th. And all the way shooting in July, you're like, wow, Brother Michael, there's a lot of dates here. It's okay. July 31st, for those that have been asking, is camp. Uh, July 31st to August 6th is summer camp this year. Uh, for anybody that was wondering that, and uh, Brother Tom will have some, some uh, announce a little bit more details on that on Sunday. But that is the dates of, of camp for this year. God bless you. Hopefully that wasn't uh, too much, uh, like a, uh, too quick, but uh, go to the website and, uh, and the, all the dates will be there. So we're looking forward to for the next couple months, but Orion just mentioned we don't have no visitors. Well, there we go. We'll have a few more visitors coming. <laughs> God bless you. Let's invite our brother Tim to come and take his liberty. Maybe as he does, let's just sing that song, Shout to the Lord, My Jesus, My Savior. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you in all of my days. I want to praise the wonders of your mighty touch. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Is he your Savior? Is he your Redeemer? He's a personal God. We're so glad that he's here tonight. You can have your seats for a moment just as we... We might sing that just again, Brother Ben, so you could even keep playing. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I haven't been in behind the pulpit since Easter, so I want to bring you greetings from the saints in Edmonton, where uh, we, I was there for meetings at Easter time. And to make it very concise, the sick were healed and the lost were saved. And the sheep were fed. <laughs> That sums it up, and uh, we thank God for what He did. You know, the Lord moved supernaturally. One little old sister, you know, I knew, I've known her for years and years and years, and I, I didn't even know she was in the service, and, and she just put in the testimony. She says, I, I couldn't use, I forget was right arm or left arm. She says, I went home after the Saturday night service, and I was just working around the kitchen, and reaching up into the cupboards and all of a sudden real I realized I could use my arm. Isn't that the way our Lord Jesus does things? He's so wonderful. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. I want to just make one announcement tonight or uh, just kind of give you an update, a missions update just briefly if you don't mind. And uh, you can put the slides up, and I guess I have control here. Just very quickly, I just want to make mention of the Message Hub, some developments in the Message Hub. Uh, and uh, uh, first of all, I just want to say there's, there's now over 16,000 translations on the Message Hub, and we thank God for that. You know, the translators have been working very hard all around the world. And they're sending in translations, up, uh, translations, uploading translations. I gave an update on the Message Hub uh, last year, and it was about 15,000 range. And four years ago, it was only 9,000. And so the translators are working very hard for their people. And the bride is being clothed with the message of the hour. And so we thank God for that. And uh, in particular, uh, we have now in seven languages... Uh, church age books that we're getting ready to print. And I, I just thought I'd make, you, make it known to you and to those that are watching the need that is there in the country of Uganda and Burundi and Ethiopia and Botswana. Uh, these, all of these church, ages book, church age books are near to completion. And we thank God for that. And uh, so these are going to have a great impact in their countries. And so you pray that God will provide the funds. I believe that He will. And He may provide them for, through you, but He will provide them. Amen. So we thank God for that. We, we have what's called the Message Hub Mobile. If you don't know what that is, that's a, the app that uh, uh, we use, we have put together, and the brothers under Brother Darren Hoffman. I don't see him tonight. Is he upstairs? He's, he's hiding out tonight. He didn't want to be in the congregation when I made this announcement. But we thank God for Brother Darren Hoffman and his skills and the team that works with them, with him. And if you're part of that team, God bless you abundantly. And so we, this hub puts the message and the Bible together with links that people are able to search the message, read the message in their language, and also it has links to the Bible, and the Bible in their language has links to the message. 
so that they're able to click on a link of a scripture and take them to where Brother Branham spoke on that. So this is uh, uh, something that has been very, very useful and more and more useful overseas. In particular, uh, I had a brother the other day from Zimbabwe. Brother Tom, I might have told you this in Zimbabwe. The brothers there said, please, we need the Message Hub app for Shona. I think it was Shona. No, Shona. Shona is Zimbabwe, isn't it? Sam's upstairs too. Where's Where's Josh? Right here. Shona, Zimbabwe, right? I've got it right. Okay. And uh, the only reason I wasn't sure is because there's lots of languages I'm talking about tonight. And they said, we really need it because we don't have any other things that we want to use. And so, uh, uh, so I'm, I'm glad to announce that amongst the seven languages tonight that have been added to the app, one of them is Shona. And also Arabic, which is a tremendous thing for around the world in many countries, Afanaromo for Ethiopia, Ateso for Uganda, Hungarian, uh, the young brother that was here, what was his name? Anybody remember? Matty. And uh, he's been very diligent uploading the Hungarian translations. They now have the Message Hub mobile app in their language. The Karamajong for northern Uganda and the Kurundi language for the country of Burundi. And so praise be to God, that's just been released today. Amen. So we're doing our part to clothe the bride of Jesus Christ. In total, there's 46 languages now on the mobile application. And we thank God for that. It's getting so big, I'm going to have to make two slides out of it or something, or you won't be able to read it. So uh, I praise God for the brothers that we have working on this. It's a real burden team to get the message out, because that's what we're about. Are you thankful for that tonight? Amen. Because you're a part of it. You know, when you give to missions, when you encourage the brothers, when you pray, and all of these things, everybody's a part of the same team. Everybody is, a, is one joint in the body that supplies according to their gift. And so we just give God all the glory. Look forward to meeting all of these people on the other side. Let's stand together, not to belabor the point. Amen. Shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the sea will roar at the sound. Father, we thank you that you are faithful, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you do all things well, even, Lord, in times where we don't understand what direction things are going in. But we can reach up our hand and hold your hand, Lord, and know that if we hold on to you, you'll lead us in the right direction. Lord, you will keep us safe 
from this evil age that we're living in. That you will meet the needs that we have according to your great and precious promises which you have laid in your word. And Lord, as we're gathered together tonight with your children, your precious bride, oh Lord, with the deepness of respect, we stand behind the sacred desk saying, Lord, these are your people that you are in love with. And Lord, you want to express that to each one that's here, each one that's on the internet. So we invite you, Father, come and fellowship with us. Come and fellowship with us in the opening of the Word. Come and fellowship with us individually, Lord. We invite you. Come by my way. Come by each pew, Lord. Come by each home that couldn't make it to service tonight. And Lord, may you minister, not just to the needs, Lord, though if there are needs, may they be met. But Lord, may you minister to our hearts. May you touch our lives and let us know how much you care about us and how much you're working everything out for your glory according to your perfect will. We commit this service to you. We just ask that you'll help us to get out of the way, the speaker and the hearer, that your will might be done. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Thank you for lingering musicians. We appreciate that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, scripture that we are familiar with. Uh, But I I just want to take as much as it maybe be a simple direction tonight, but maybe just kind of from a different angle a little bit. And so you just bear with me, if you would. I trust that it'll be a blessing. How many love the Lord? 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. I'm going to spend a lot of time tonight on filial love, and I told the brothers I want to title it The Filial Trap, The Filial Trap. Now, let me start by saying there's no better feeling than love. There's no better thing to have in a relationship than love. And love is not something that can be just conjured up. We know that the Bible speaks of two different aspects of love. I'll come to that. But in particular, the natural realm of love is is even something that you can't very much control in your own self. When a mother has a child and that sweet spirit, that little angel comes around and the child is born into the world, there's immediately a, a natural bond, a bond of filial love between the mother and the child. It's the highest form of filial love. Brother Branham said, of all the forms of filial love, it was the most comparable to God's love. 
Yet in the midst of it, though, a mother didn't uh, try and conjure that up, but it's, it's a relationship and a bond in that type of love that a man cannot experience. Sorry, brothers. But you'll never come into that relationship with your children. There's nothing like a mother who has carried the baby for nine months under her heart. And when that baby is dropped into this world, that doesn't mean the connection is broken. The connection just becomes stronger. And it becomes more real. And nothing can take the place of mother. It'll make mother to act in strange ways. It will make the mother to be in, at sometimes very, uh, very much fighting. You know, even in the animal kingdom, you know, you wouldn't find ever a female uh, grizzly to fight a male grizzly unless there is a bear cub involved. Once there's a, a cub involved, then that mother becomes ferocious because of the bond between the mother and the cub, the, the, the female bear and the cub. It's something that, that it becomes very powerful, but I want to emphasize this morning that it's still filial love. And filial love is something that works in the human realm. Brother Branham says it's a human love, and, and we're thankful for it. Listen, we're thankful for filial love. But I will say, and this is where I'm going tonight, filial love can be a trap. In the scripture that we read, filial love is mentioned four times. You may not know that, but let me just look back at it here. It says, men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's filial love. It goes on to say, they shall be covetous. The word covetous there actually means love of money. So now filial love is projected to oneself. Filial love is projected to money. It goes on to say, men shall be lovers of pleasures. That's filial love again. So that love can be directed towards pleasure. More than lovers of God, and that also is filial love. And so filial love can also be directed towards God. And so that we find that this is, a, uh, this is a natural realm that God has allowed us to live in and, and, uh, and that we come into, and we don't want to be trapped or limited just to the thought of filial love. Like I said, stay with me. We're going somewhere tonight. Brother Branham says, and it's a common statement that we use in the message, uh, in the church age book in the Thyatiran age, He says, um, each age has its pressures. For example, a great burden of the last age is a pressure of riches and soft living. I want you to notice that statement. And nervous tensions in a complex age that we seem unfitted to live in. The pressures of riches. God bless you, Brother Sam. It's good to see you. Uh, the pressure of riches, some might say, I wish I had that pressure. <laughs> I don't know what that pressure is. But there's a pressure that comes with money. There's a pressure that comes with living in Laodicea. There's a pressure that comes with wealth. And he goes on, the pressure of soft living. Sometimes we think, if I just had it a little bit easier... 
I was talking to a young man the other day, and, and uh, I was telling him, you know, uh, something that I've said over the pulpit here is that, you know, people need to learn that this life is about suffering. And he, he kind of took him back, and he says, suffering? And, and, and he says, uh, I don't think life is about suffering. Life is about finding, finding something good. I said, oh, really? I says, well, I says, you're going through something now. I says, you might overcome that, but then you might be in an accident, and then you have to overcome that, and then there's a sickness, and then you have to overcome that, and then there's trouble in the family, and you have to overcome that. I said, suffering is a necessary ingredient of this world because without suffering, there cannot be character. And that's what this age is about, as I've spoken in a series recently, is that God is molding rulers to rule with and reign with him throughout eternity, and they must have character to be fit to rule. Amen? So the suffering, uh, the pressure of this age, riches, soft living. Brother Branham says in Letting Off the Pressure in 1962, he says, we're living in a neurotic age, nervous tension. Everybody's racing here and going there and going nowhere. It's just that kind of an age. And I know the church would be plagued with it as everybody's plagued with it. The tabernacle's plagued with it everywhere, the whole world. It's a day of pressure. Hurry, 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 hurry up and wait, he says. Drive 90 miles an hour to get home for supper and wait two hours till he gets ready. He says, that's right, it's the time. And in rushing and speeding, it gets you to a nervous tension. And the wife says something a little contrary, and you fly off, a temper. Nobody here is like that, of course. It's, he's just using an example. Husbands say something, and you'll pat your foot and tell him, in, tell him to get in the room. Well, now, husband, I don't want no words with you. Go out there. Wife, oh, I'm nervous. He says, what's the matter? All this together, this tension building up, the result then the results of it doing something wrong and acting out of place. So there's a pressure that the devil has brought in this Satan's Eden, and the design of it is to push us out of position, push us into something we don't want to do. As Brother Branham said in the Hebrew series, we make mistakes. I think he said, I make mistakes every day, every month, every year. And so that we're always pushed to make mistakes, and we'll make mistakes until we come into our theophany body. Because in that body, we will know all things, even as we're known. And so we, we realize that in this body, we don't know everything, and so the devil is able to trap us in situations under pressure, especially in this hour, that pushes us into something. All right? Now, the filial love that we're talking about is based on human relationships and feelings. When you're a child, you have a natural love for your parents. Your parents have a natural love for you. You grow up, you have siblings. There's some kind of love in that relationship. You, as a young man grows up, a young woman grows up, they become attracted one to another. There becomes an expression of maybe feelings towards one another and, and desires. It's, and that's just the human realm. And, and as much as we might sometimes criticize filial love, I will say, I'm glad we have it. Because the world would be a miserable place if the only love there was was agapo love, because then only the Christians would have it. And the rest of the world would be absolutely miserable. 
It'd be an even worse place to live in than we currently live in. But I'm glad before I got saved, there was a shadow of a shadow of a shadow of love. It wasn't the real, but it was the shadow. And so I could live in that until I found the real. And we thank God for that. Now, Brother Branham says, um, love is two different words. And he goes to filio and agapo. He says, called filio, that's the love you have for your wife. Agapo is divine love. Now, the love that you have for your wife and the love of God is so contrary. The love that you have for your wife, if a man would insult her, you would kill him on the spot with that kind of a love. Nobody said amen to that. But that's true. We're all protective of our wives, aren't we? In that natural realm. He says, but with agapo love, you'd pray for his soul. Hmm. I got some hmms, but I didn't get any amens. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. We're building on it. He says, that'd be the difference. He says, there's two types of love. I'm almost sure that many of us has been deceived with having filial love and thinking it's agapo love. Filial love is intellectual. Agapo love comes from the heart. Okay. Message, you must be born again. Just laying a foundation for you here. So you know I'm not preaching, I'm not preaching from Google. I'm preaching from the message. Amen. Anything that had a beginning has an end. It's those things which have not a beginning that has an end. Did you ever think of that God, the great master rainbow in the skies, by the seven spirits of God, red, perfect love. After that comes filial love, from agapo to filial love. That's the love you have for your wife. And he goes again, if some man would insult her, you'd shoot his brains out. So he didn't just say it in one place. Because it creates a jealousy. Now watch filial love here. It creates a jealousy. But that's filial love, secondary love. Then comes lust for another man's wife. Then comes filth. It just becomes perverted. But all of this kind of love had a beginning. All right? That's natural love. But when the real genuine love of God that I've been talking about comes into the human being by the new birth... Being born again, it had no beginning, and it'll have no ending. Amen. Amen. You are then a son of God and a daughter of God, and your affections are on things above. All right? And even that word affections is tied to the word filial. As the Bible says, set your affection on things above. And we realize even as Christians, we can get distracted. We, we, can, we can get into the state that this Laodicea is in. And the reason that it's in this, in this state is there's a pressure. And the pressure is not a pressure of death. That was the dark ages. The pressure is not a, a pressure of, uh, of the man age. We're in another age. And the pressure of Laodicea in this age is of soft living and of riches, and of nervous tension. And so this world has become into such a pleasure-seeking state. Come on, saints. You don't have to look very far to see this is where the world's at. They have moved into into such a pleasure-seeking state that hard work is foreign to this next generation. 
Not to, to I trust, believers, sons and daughters, but out there I was talking to my son who, who's a plumber, a gas fitter, and, and, and uh, a plumber, and he, he did some work for me here while he was here, and, and uh, I asked him, I says, you know, the, the next generation that's coming up, how hard is it to find a young person that's actually willing to work? Because I know your profession is hard work. It's not easy to do what you do. And he says, it's just about impossible to find a young man that's actually willing to work hard. He says, that, and this is his words, he says, they all think they're going to get rich by making TikToks. They're going to cut themselves some videos and get rich online and people are going to watch them and they're going to be some kind of imaginary thing or whatever they do. And, and he says, that's how they're going to make their money. It's nonsense. Soft living and riches put people into a pressure-packed situation. We know that nations are scared of war. We know there's one coming. But the nations are scared of war. They, they don't want to send their sons to battle. They're, they, they're, there's things going on in the world that everybody's wondering, is this the lead-up to the Third World War? I just say, it's all the lead-up to the Third World War. It's all the lead-up to Armageddon. And, you know, people want government to pay for their bills. They want the government to pay for their school loans. They want the government to pay for their food. They want the government to pay for their whatever they have debts and things. And they want more government and more government support, thinking that the government prints money, which I suppose it does sometimes. But yet in the midst of all of that, they're, they're not thinking right thoughts anymore. They've become this softness and laziness that has produced all the nervous tension. Now, it's not just softness and laziness that produces nervous tension. And I'll, I'll say it this way, because one of the most rugged men in the Bible was the prophet Elijah. And when he was under the anointing, he could call fire from heaven and, and slay the prophets of Baal and bring Israel back to God. But as soon as the anointing left him, then he ran out into the wilderness and had a nervous breakdown at the threat of one woman. Is that right? That's exactly what happened. It wasn't that he was too soft. It wasn't that he was lazy. That wasn't any of it. But it was the pressure of the age. And we find in this age, it's just a pressure that's pushing upon us. And the reason is because people have got their eyes off of heavenly things and put them on natural things. They're taking their eyes off of the goal, off of heaven. And when we, when we cease to see that there's treasure in heaven, then all is to be gained is in this life. Just imagine, if there's no heavenly reward, if the Bible is not true, if the promises are not sure, if there isn't a rapture, what's the point to life? What's the point to life? People say, well, there's no rapture. I don't know if I believe the Bible. I don't know. Well, then what's the point? Is every, if, if the only thing there is is what this world has to offer, if the only thing that there is is filial love, you're caught in a trap. Because as great as filial love might feel one day, the next day it'll be jealousy. The next day it'll be lust. The next day it'll be perversion. The next day it'll be murder. You think, you think that's not true? Just look at Saul and David's relationship. When Saul first looked at David and saw what David did for the kingdom, Saul loved David. But then Saul became jealous of David. Then Saul hated David. Then Saul tried to murder David. Well, I thought he loved David. 
But that was just filial love. That was just a human element based on relationship because filial love is based on what you do for me and I do for you. But agapo love is based on eternity. Hallelujah. Give me agapo love. Give me the love of God over everything else. Now, excuse me as I go through this for a moment. Just bear with me. But I just, I feel I've I've dug deep into this subject actually for months. And I'm not going to try and preach it all tonight. But filio is actually connected to many words in the Bible. Many words. All right? And because it's that natural attraction that attracts us to certain things. Brotherly love is filial love. The word Philadelphia in the Bible, the Philadelphian age, is the age of brotherly love. Philadelphia means brotherly love. Philemon and Philippi comes from filial. I was wondering today, I don't know if there's any Filipinos here. I was wondering if Filipino came from filial. I thought they're such a lovely people, you know. I thought, uh, maybe it does. I don't know. There's another word, and excuse me if you know Greek because I'm sure I'm not pronouncing these words right, uh, the word philandros, which is the love of a wife to a husband, all right? And the, the Bible talks about that. It talks about philanthropia, which is the love towards mankind in general. So it's a, it's a love or a kindness towards mankind. There's philo, philoxenos, which is a love of strangers or a love of hospitality. And the Bible says we should have that. We should have a love of stranger. We should have, be loving hospitality. There's, but then it, it begins to turn in many different forms. And as I go through this, I pray that you just say, Lord, keep me away from that. Filler, <laughs> philogeria, and I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, which again is covetous, the love of money. That's why the Bible says philogeria, or the love of money, is the root of all evil. How can something that comes from the word love be the root of all evil. If love is misplaced, it's evil. Philotos, which is lover of yourself. Men in the last days shall be lovers of their own selves, or we could say narcissistic is the term we use in this day and age. Philodinos, Philodonos, lover of pleasure. A lover of pleasure. You know, the Bible says there are pleasures to being a Christian. And, don't, and I'll come to that in a little bit here. But don't be a lover of pleasure more than a lover of God. If your desires are towards pleasure, it will certainly lead you in the wrong direction. Let me go quickly now. Philia, the love or friendship of the world. If you're a friend of the world, you're what? An enemy to God. All right, philos is the lover of God. Philologos, Uh, I don't know if we have any philologos in here, which means a lover of words or talkative. I'll I'll, I'll let you, I'll let that one sink in a little bit. And you can go home, take that word home with you, and you can use it on anybody you want to. 
philologos. Philonikos, lover of strife or contention or dispute. That's in the Bible, and that was used to describe the disciples. Oh my. They got themselves into situations where it seems like they love to dispute. They love to argue. They love to, who's going to be the greatest one amongst us? And all of those things, you know, philo, uh, philoproteo, a love of preeminence, fond of being first. That's in the Bible. You know, there are those that love that kind of thing, but yet that same word is a motivating word that says that someone wants to accomplish something, then it's a motivator to get them to do something. So it it can hit one way or it can hit the other way. Philosophic, we know what that means. It's a lover of wisdom. And philotimiomai, being fond or a lover of honor. And so all of these are Bible words. Our affections are connected in so many areas of our lives. Does does it surprise you if I tell you you're human? I see someone nodding up there. It does surprise him. All right. I'll look over here. We're human. We can't get away from it. You can't actually get away from filial, but you need to stay away from the trap. Science has taken the idea of natural love. and they've tried to boil it down. It's interesting. Uh, I remember reading this years ago in an article, so I, I went back to it to try and find it, and I managed to find it. And they say that they can define the feelings that go with love and break it down to the chemistry of the brain. And they have, and I'll just read it for you here. They say love can be distilled in three categories, lust, attraction, and attachment. Now that's not... God's love, that's filial love, all right? And he says, though there are overlaps and subtleties to each, each type is characterized by its own set of hormones. Testosterone and estrogen drive lust. Dopamine, here I go again, norepinephrine, and I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, and serotonin create attraction. And oxytocin and vasopressin mediate attachment. They say, why are you telling us these things? Because the devil, through the tree of knowledge, has given people understanding of what happens in people's brains that what that is caused by a love that is natural. And there's a chemical reaction in the brain that you have certain feelings caused by hormones. And they teach these things at universities. And they teach them at school because they actually teach people how to manipulate other people. And this this isn't something that is hidden. You can go and read this for yourself. They actually find that the the beginners or the, the, what do you call them, programmers or, or founders of these social media websites, these are the tools that they use to trigger addiction in people's minds to their application. Whether it be YouTube, whether it be um, 
I got to think of all the names of them now, Instagram or Facebook or, um, I don't know, you know all the names of them, I hope, or I hope not. (laughs) All of the social media, but they are engineered. You've heard of artificial intelligence and you've heard of of, uh, uh, algorithms and all those kind of things, but what's behind them is that people know if we can get your brain to fire in a certain way, it will make you think, for lack of a better word, you're in love with this. Because it will produce the same feelings that filial love makes. And so they get you to take, and of course the word dopamine comes up, or dopamine, and, and, and it, it, it begins to trigger these things in your mind with certain feedback to you, and it's the same thing as as filial love produces. It's the same thing as addiction produces. And all of these things, and they're just a a software program. But what they're doing is they're addicting you to it. They're entrapping you in the way that God made you because Satan knows how God made you. And he's led these men and women in their devices to the tree of knowledge to teach them how to capture the minds of men in the realm of filial love and grab a hold and hold their attention to things that are evil, things that are corrupt, because filial love can be corrupted. And that's where when Brother Branham says you have to be careful thinking you're operating by filial, but thinking you're operating by agapo love and really it's filial love, you need to be really careful. Because agapo love will always take you back to the Word of God. Agapo love will always express the character of Jesus Christ. Agapo love will always bring out the truth, will always bring out the light, will always bring out the reality of God. They were talking about uh, let me just read you one more statement out of an article. It says, the reward center in your brain releases dopamine in response to pleasurable experiences. This part of your brain is closely linked to memory and motivation. Are you with me so far? I want you to, I'm just telling you, I guess I'm just saying and exposing the devil at his tricks. The devil uses them because it's misplaced affection. Let your affection be on things above. Listen, these are not conscious things. I'm just telling you about them. And it's, it's not even so important that even you recognize them other than that you know the devil is using them on you all the time. You can't go on the internet. I'm here now. Brother Tim talks about the internet from time to time. It's a curse in many ways, but yet we have to use it. I got to do my banking on the internet. You know, I got to, sometimes if I want to find out what something means, I got to go to their uh, Wikipedia page or, or, or search something on the Google to find out exactly what the answer is to something and all of those things. And, and, you know, the schools are tied into it. The businesses are tied into it. A lot of times the businesses are tied into Facebook and different modes of advertising. It's all out there. But every time you go on there, 
men in their devices have made their machines in order to capture what you're about and be able to trigger something in your brain that will trigger the same thing that love will trigger. And it will give you a feeling that, that will temporarily, uh, I don't even have the words for it, uh, entice you or satisfy you. And you think that it's something of value when it's something of no value. And you might say, well, I really, I really get a kick of scrolling through this thing. Is that how you do it? Scroll through, you know. I get a kick of, you know, flipping through this stuff. I, I get something out of it, you know. Sometimes when I'm down, I'll flip through these kind of things and that kind of stuff. Get out of there. I'll warn you now, it's a trap. And the devil wants to hold you there because he knows how your brain operates. He knows exactly the, the, the way to get a hold of your life. You say, well, I'm a believer. I've been born again. Listen, you, even if you're born again, you still got filial love. And it's still a trap. Is this okay tonight? Let's look at the Bible, what the Bible says about pleasure. There's two main words for pleasure in the Bible. You can put the slides up now. And I just thought I'd put a few scriptures up here to save us time of turning in our Bibles. You can certainly turn in your Bibles if you want to. All right, and we, we find the word here in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 4. It says, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, there's two forms of pleasure in the Bible, one or two main forms. There's other words that are used in a minor way, but the two main ones, this is one of them, which is the word hedony, where I think hedonism comes from, all right? And so it's the satisfaction of natural desires, some of which are sinful, Okay? And there's a second word which we'll come to in a moment that means pleasure in another realm. But this is the word meaning the satisfaction of natural desires. Now, you might say, well, everybody's got natural desires, Brother Tim, but but when you have a love to satisfy your natural desires, when the age becomes, it's all about satisfying natural desires, and there's no limitations anymore, and people have taken the boundaries often, and as it was in the days of Noah that the thoughts of men were continually evil towards God, or as it was in the days of Sodom, when, when the parting and the rioting and the, and the perversion was to such an extent that, that it's even hard to think about the things that they did back there, and God destroyed them for it. And as, as as many have said, if God doesn't destroy this generation for what it does, he has to raise up Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize to them. If he's a just God, and he is a just God, there is coming a destruction for we have reached the hour where people, men, women are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. In other words, their affections are on natural, physical things rather than spiritual things. There's another scripture in Luke chapter 8 that I want you to realize here that the same word is used here about when the word of God is, is sown, and the sower went forth to sow, and some seed fell amongst the wayside, some amongst stony ground, some, some amongst uh, uh, weeds and thorns, and some in good soil. And the Bible says here in Luke chapter 8 and 14, that which fell amongst the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares 
and riches, what's the pressure of this age? And pleasures of this life. The pleasures of life is what it chokes out the effect of the word within our life. So the trap of this filial natural desires and affection is that though we hear the word of God, even though we receive the word of God, if we're not careful, letting our filial love run away with itself will choke out the effect of the word in our lives. That's the scripture. And bring no fruit to perfection. Second Peter chapter 2 says, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. Can we say amen to that? Amen. And to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despised government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord, but these as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish, not in somebody else's corruption, in their own corruption." And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. An odd statement. I'll explain it here in a moment. But it says, spots are they, spots they are in blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. God have mercy if there's anybody like this here. Because you better get out of this condition if you're here and get right before God and repent of your evil mind because there is a reward of unrighteousness just as there is a reward of righteousness. Isn't that true? But he says, they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. What does it mean to riot in the daytime? It's not as... It's not as um, Extreme as you might think is actually the same word is used here in Luke chapter 7. And it talks about John the Baptist. It says, what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. What's the pressure of this age? Soft living. Behold, they which are gorgeously apparel and live delicately. That's the same word as rioting. So it's not being out in the streets burning things and having placards and making a war and all those kind of things. It, it actually means to live in the daytime as though you don't have to work. Live delicately. They that live delicately are in king's courts. In other words, to have everything provided to you. You know, God will be found of you if you seek him with your whole heart. Amen. There's, there is something that needs to be quickened within us that what God has is worth everything that I can do to obtain it. Let your affections be set on things above. And so living delicately is the same word as writing in, in the daytime. In other words, it's just a matter of soft living. It's just a matter of, of riches. It's just a matter of not, having, not wanting to have any pressures, not realizing that you're building up pressures within yourself. All right. But now there's a second definition for the word, the word pleasure. A second word in the Greek that is used. 
We'll go to 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 10. And this word also is used in a, in a bad sense, but mostly in a good sense. But you'll understand as we, we speak about it here. Are you still with me? Yes. All right. It says, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2, it's talking about the last days again. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Not that the truth wouldn't be here. The truth is here. But the problem is when people don't receive the love of the truth. Oh my, there's that word love again. But there's got to be a love of the truth that people might be saved. For this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now this word pleasure is not the satisfaction of physical desires, but this word pleasure means approving of. In other words, that, that it's not so much that, that they're just seeking everything bad, but they're approving of unrighteousness. Never has there been an age of so much approval of unrighteousness. A lot of people say, well, it doesn't matter what people do. It doesn't matter what people think. This is all right. If this person wants to do that and that person wants to do this and all the perversion and all the things they want to bring in the schools and all the things they want to bring in the nation and they want to criticize those that live a good life and call them evil and those that live an evil life, they call them good. And, and the Bible says they approve of unrighteousness. But that's not what God has called us to do, nor is it what he has put within our hearts. All right, the Bible even goes on further. I don't want to read through this entire scripture, but it talks about them that they have pleasure. Uh, I'll just read the last verse. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. That's their pleasure in what others are doing. They might not do it themselves, but they don't disapprove of others doing it. If it's evil, it's evil. The devil is destroying manhood. He's destroying womanhood. He's destroying the family unit. He's destroying any semblance of godliness. He's come against everything that's right, and it's all evil. Not any bit of it, oh, that's, that's not too bad. You know what, that's, those people mean well. No, they don't mean well. They're deceived because they love not the truth. And because they love not the truth, they, they, they're given over to a delusion to think, oh, well, it's all wonderful. It's not wonderful. It's the world getting ready for destruction. But 2 Corinthians 7, or 12 and verse 7, Paul now talking about, This is an interesting perspective here. Approval. He says, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. But he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness." Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. The reason I bring this one up is because 
You have to understand what Paul is saying here. He's not saying, I enjoy it when I'm sick. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I approve when God puts infirmities on me. If that's God's way of trying me, I approve of it. If that's God's way of molding me, I approve of it. Now remember, Israel had a problem understanding God's love. They thought that God's love was a parental love to a child. That's what they thought God's love, which is filial love. They thought in their minds that filial love was the right description of, of God's love, but God's love is elective. God chose you unto salvation. And having chosen you as his son or his daughter, we don't have time to go to the scriptures, but because he chose you, no son comes to God but what is chastised. That is to say, they are child, they're trained, they are put through things. There are things that happen in their life to mold their character because you are a son. Because you are a daughter of God. God is bringing your character to perfection. Hallelujah. And so Paul says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I'm sure going through a trial today, I approve of it. That one got quiet again. If this is what it takes, Lord, then help me to hold up under it. You said you'd not put anything on me that I wouldn't be able to handle. Amen. He says, I take pleasure or approve of infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's a powerful revelation. Here's the one that we all love. God has a good pleasure of his will. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the approval of his will. He approves of you and he's called you to adoption. It's the good pleasure of his will to put you there to the praise, not of you or me, but to the praise of the glory of his grace. Oh, that's a whole service right there. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Not to the praise of our legalism. Not to the praise of our works. Not to the praise of our ability to do something right and run away from what's wrong. No, to the praise of the glory of his grace. It's all his grace. When Abraham, I, I saw the, the titles of Brother Dioke, and I love that subject, the confirming of Abraham's covenant. And I wish I had been here. I wish I would have been able to be here for that. But, you know, there's nothing so great as God's confirmed covenant through Abraham to his seed. It's all his grace. When he stood between the sacrifice, he stood by himself. He put Abraham into a deep sleep and, he, and, and showed him that every man's doomed to hell. But God made a covenant with Abraham and his seed. Yes. Hallelujah. And God confirms his covenant by the new birth. Amen. Amen. We'll get re-preaching what you just heard. Praise the Lord. To the glory of his grace wherein he's made us accepted he has made us accepted in the beloved. It doesn't say where we earned acceptance in the beloved. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of our legalism. According to the riches of his grace. 
wherein he has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according, here we are again, to the good pleasure which he had purposed in himself. God has pleasures and pleasures for you that are beyond anything this world can offer. The world's pleasures, let me say it one more time, will lead you to a neuroticism and a nervousness that will bog you down and make you crazy. But God's word will set you free into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Amen. This is where we want to get to. His pleasure. Jesus, when he was baptized, went out straightway out of the water. The heavens were opened and saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him and a voice from heaven. This is the voice we all want to hear. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my Son who displays my pleasure. This is my Son in whom I'm pleased to dwell in, Brother Branham said. It's not just I'm happy about him. I am pleased to be united to him. Amen. That's where it's all sons and daughters of God. I, who is he? This is our subject now. I am pleased to dwell in. Who is the I? The I is God himself. I am pleased. I, the God who is love. Now that you were made in this world a tabernacle of filial, but God is turning you into a tabernacle of agapo. This is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. This is the one whom I called. This is the one whom I molded in whom I'm willing to put my own attributes, my own likeness, my own nature, and put my spirit in him. We, spent our li- we have spent our lives and we have been affected and molded by filial love, entrapped by filial love, expressing filial love. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his love, for his love, wherewith he loved us. Not how we feel about it, not our love, but God's love. For his love wherewith he, he loved us has brought us into his grace. And he is the very person of love. Jesus was the love of God projected or expressed in Jesus, I'll say filial had no influence. In Jesus, filial had no influence. They tried to tell him one day, Jesus, your mother and your brethren stand outside. They're wanting to see you. He says, who is my mother? Who's my brethren? They thought it was physical relations, filial love natural connections of relationship. But Jesus says, no, no, no. These are my mother. These are my brethren. The ones who hear the word of God. They are the ones that I am really connected to through agapo love. Oh, if we could really take this and apply this to our life, it would take us to a higher realm of treating each other. 
Amen. It would take us into spheres because God is molding and shaping us and bringing us to a place. There was, Brother Brown describes a story here. And he says, there was this man that was saved. And this is in Standing in the Gap. And he says, uh, after I think about two years or after a year, he fell in love with a young lady. They got married. After another couple of years, the young lady said to him, she said, I suppose you being a new Christian, because she had been raised a Christian, always lived a good life, never went out in the world, and she was a real stalwart Christian. She says, I, I suppose that it's hard for you sometimes to stand up against the wiles and temptations that, that uh, uh, goes with it after you've sinned for so long, because he hadn't lived a very good life. In other words, filial love had been so corrupted in him. Listen, if you got affections, and I think this bodes well for us as parents, we want our children's affections to be untainted by the things of the world. Isn't that all of our desires? Because there's some of us that grew up out there in the world, in all the evil things that are out there. There's nothing to be desired out there. Listen, if, if, if there was, I'd be there right now. If there was something out in the world that was enticing, I could have had any of it. Whether it was money, whether it was career, whether it was, uh, I suppose, drugs or alcohol, which I never partook of, but any of those things never enticed me. There had to be something more. And finally, God got a hold of my life. But there were things of the world that, that when I got saved, they left me. The, my affections got reorganized. The music I used to love, now I hate it. You know, the, the different things that had a hold on my life, they begin to fall by the wayside as God began to wash me in the water of the Word. Why? Because even my filio was getting rearranged. And the trap of it fell by the wayside. All right? So this woman, she says to her husband, you know, I, I suppose it's tough for you. He says, well, it does become a battle. All right? Now, they, now here Brother Brown's talking about those of you that have come in from the world. You're going to have a battle sometimes. But those are those filial attachments that God's rearranging. Can you say amen to that? She said, I want you to remember one thing, that if the enemy does upset you somewhere and you fall and you go back into sin, don't stay away from home. I want you to come home. You're going to find at home the same wife that you married. And I'll help you pray back, pray through, and get back to God again. I don't want you to stay away. I married you not upon the basis of what you were, but I married you because I loved you. Hallelujah. And she said, no matter what you do, I still love you. And I married you because I love you. He says, and then the man went to work and was repeating it. And he said, now how could a man do anything wrong against something like that? When a woman that loves him so much that no matter what he did was willing to come back and take him again and try it again. See, now you, then Brother Bram says, now you multiply that by billions and you have some idea of what the love of God is. Hallelujah. Sometimes we look at a husband and wife and we're glad for good relationships. We're glad for love, the natural love even between a husband and a wife. I don't have time to go into the, all of that tonight. But in the midst of all of that, Brother Branham says, even the strength of this woman's love for her husband is only just a bare, tiny shadow 
to God's love. Not only that he has for you, but that he's put inside you by the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is God's love in you. And the one thing that God is doing in us, as he did in Jesus Christ, is molding us. And I'm coming down to a close here. Because I want to close on agapo love. Agapo love has nothing to do with feelings. Agapo love is God. Agapo love is truth, therefore. It's life. It's light. It's all of those attributes that describe God. There was Jesus, the very projection, the perfect projection of the love of God. You know, the Bible says that he looked at the rich young ruler and loved him. That wasn't feelings. That was agapo. And by loving him, he offered him something that wasn't going to feel good. Go sell all you have and give it to the poor and come and take up your cross and follow me because that was what he needed. And the man went away sad, is that right? Because he had many possessions. It, he, he, he set his affections on earthly things instead of heavenly things. But Jesus projected love to him. Jesus projected love to Lazarus. Jesus projected love to the disciples. Jesus projected love everywhere he went. And I was, this is what brought me to finally preaching this subject as I was preaching on Good Friday in, in Edmonton. And I was thinking about Jesus on the cross. And I was thinking about that day in Jesus' life. He had a human body. He was a man acquainted with sorrow afflicted. He bore our pains. He suffered for us. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And there on that day, he was whipped. He was beaten almost beyond recognition. He was beaten to a pulp. He was, had a crown of thorns. I have a piece of that, those thorns. They, you can get them in Arizona. Same type of thorn that they used for his crown. And, and I have a piece in my office at home just to remind me. They're not little rosebud thorns. They're like an inch long. And they're, they're like, a, uh, I don't know what you'd describe them. Just drove them into his head. And there he is suffering. Made him to carry the cross until there wasn't an ounce of energy left in his body. That he collapsed under the weight of the cross as he, he drug that cross up to Golgotha. Can I say it was the worst day of his life? Sometimes we think, I'm having a bad day. Hello? Anybody here? Have you checked out on me? Sometimes we think that, don't we? You know what? I'm having a bad day. I just need to hide away for a while. I just need to go to my comfort zone, whatever that comfort zone might be. It's not a good day for me. Jesus wasn't having a good day. But yet not having a good day, there he was on the cross of Calvary, standing in, in the heavens, hanging there between the two thieves. One of them, 
recognizing, catching the revelation who Jesus was. And he saw the sign king of the Jews and saw this man was just perfect character. And he said to Jesus, you know, he said to the other thief, he says, we deserve what we got, but he doesn't deserve what he got. Now, Jesus wasn't feeling sorry for himself. He knew exactly what he was. He knew exactly what his purpose was. He knew exactly why he was there. And there the thief was there and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And there was Jesus. He didn't say, don't bother me now. No, he says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. The life leaving his body, the the blood emptying out, the blood cell being broken. And as he hung there between the heavens and the earth and paid the price for our sin in in the depth of physical trauma, physically racked with pain, what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Hallelujah. Agapo love is not hindered by feelings. Hallelujah. That life that was in him, it was unhindered in that worst moment of his life. It didn't matter it was his worst day. It didn't matter how low he was. I'll tell you what, if it was just filial love, filial love is that you do something bad to me, it decreases the filial love that I have. But that wasn't filial love. That was God's perfect love that had been poured into that body. That was perfect character, completely out of the way, a tabernacle that had been molded of God to be nothing but the expression of agapo love in his day. That's all he could express. He wasn't there feeling sorry for himself. He wasn't there going through something. Oh, well, woe is me. No, he was there divinely the called attribute of God. In his position, the Lamb of God spending the price and all he could express. Hallelujah. All he could express was perfect love. All he could express was agapo love. So why are you preaching this? Because that's all I'm praying for today. That's all I'm praying for in my life. Lord, let me get to the place where filial love is out of the way. And it ceases to be a hindrance. And it ceases to be a trap. And it ceases to be an influence. And Lord, get me, get me, mold me, shape me, mold my character to a place that all that comes out of me, and believe me, there's work to do, all that comes out of me is nothing but agapo love, unhindered by how I feel, unhindered by my own thoughts, unhindered by my own ideas. Oh, if we went into all the words on filial, it talks about ambition, it talks about being distracted by uh, uh, position and, and all of those things. Lord, let all of those things fall by the wayside in my life. And Lord, let this tabernacle, as that tabernacle was in Jesus Christ, let this tabernacle be nothing but agapo love projected. Doesn't that mean some shaking down for us? I think it does. Well, it does for me. Brother Brown says, and hear ye him. He says, men and women, hear me today as your brother. Let all your little isms, And your little sensations drop 
and find the love of God. I'd rather have his love than every gift he's got in his kingdom. Give me his love. That's what the world is looking for today, is to see a display of real love. Listen, Jesus was trodden upon. There's nobody here. I don't care who you are, from the pastor all the way down to the pew, to the janitor. There's nobody here was trodden upon and rejected like Jesus was. And he never brought an accusation. He said, Father, forgive them. He loved them because that's all he could do. He was the love of God that was expressed. Brother Branham says, that's what the world is looking for today to see a display of real love. It'll win souls when you got love. That's what I want to do. I want to see God win souls. He says, they can tell they can tell it when you got love. We got too much make-believe love. We got too much a love, a filial love, trying to make it agapo love. We need real, godly love. I think the musicians better come. We're out of time, but the musicians can come. You see, when Brother Branham talks about it in the token... Because when you got the token, you got God's love. He says you need to apply the token. The token will take you back to the word. Full obedience to the word entitles you to the token. But he says apply the token with consideration, with believing, applying it with such love and so forth. You know it's going to take place. That's all. Apply it in confidence believing it's going to help. He's talking about your family. When you talk to that child, when you talk to your husband, talk to your wife, talk to a loved one, believing that it's going to help, stand there, say, Lord, I've claimed them. They're mine. I'm getting them for you, Lord. Now he's, now he's talking about this. Let me just keep going here just for a moment. Apply it. Create the atmosphere around you that they'll just drop right into that. How do you create the atmosphere around you is get filial love out of the picture. It's not what I want. It's not what I think should happen. Lord, let me just create an atmosphere of love and then if that love takes effect, something's going to happen. Something's going to take place. What was it that Brother Branham had on the platform in Oregon when that giant of a man come to destroy Brother Branham? Brother Branham says, I looked at him and I thought he's just a man like me. He's probably got a wife. He's probably got children. He doesn't mean to do that. What was that? That was love projecting from him. And it bound the demons on that man till they were powerless in the presence of that love. And it'll do the same thing with anybody that you bring into the atmosphere of God's love in your life. Now listen, I want to reiterate here, it doesn't matter how you feel. Agapo love is not a building up of emotion. It's not the lovey-dovey, wishy-washy, or we just love everybody and we compromise with everything. That's not what it's about. But when, a, when filial love is out of the way and God's love becomes so powerful and, and expressing itself out of you, you might not say a word. But it's an atmosphere. 
It's a power. What was the power when the bull charged Brother Branham in the field? That's the same power. The same atmosphere. He says, I don't know what happened. Something just came over me. It was something came out from the inside. It wasn't about feelings. In filial love, Brother Branham reached for his gun. He thought, I got to protect myself here and, and, and shoot this bull. And realize he left the gun in the truck. And realize I can't run to the fence. It's too far away. I'm in the middle of trouble here. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Same thing when he was in a hurry mowing the backyard. He was just under the pressure of the moment. Didn't have a lot of time. Got to get this lawn mowed. You ever been there? Got to get this lawn mowed. And you, you start mowing lawn. Sometimes it's not hornets we run into. Sometimes it's our wife or our husband we run into. Get out of the way. I'm busy. Sorry. A little too close to home. But sometimes the hornets are not just hornets. There's a nest laying there waiting for you to run into it in your pressure. But just remember, no matter where pressure made you make a mistake, if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, there's the love of God inside of you waiting to rise up. Hallelujah. Waiting to overcome the situation. Waiting to take control. Don't take it into your hands by your intellectuals because that's filial love. But undying faith in the word of God. Create the atmosphere that God gave you by his token. Express nothing but faith in the word of God. It's going to change the situation. Amen. If you've got the token, you create a spirit around you of power. That when you walk, people know you're a Christian. Not an atmosphere of fear, not an atmosphere of anger, just a pure atmosphere of divine love. How many want that in their life? More than anything. Let's stand to our feet. Key of F. I want to live the way He wants me to live. I want to give until. Just no more to give. I want to love, love till there's just no more love. For I could never, ever have my Lord. I want to live the way He wants.
you. Let's make that our prayer as we sing it again tonight. Oh, make me more that your heart's desire to together there wouldn't be a person in this building but what would say there have been times I've been frustrated there have been times I said or did something I shouldn't have done there have been times when I haven't exactly been the greatest yielded vessel of agapo love But that's what the word is doing in your life is molding you bringing those things to your life that you might say as the word comes to your heart Lord just make me more like you Lord just give me a heart that's filled with love I don't care what my enemies say about me Lord let me just love my enemies let me not just love those that speak good things about me let me not just love those that do good things to me. That's just filial. Lord, let me be like you. No matter what situation, it might be at work. It might be at home. It might be in some other area of your life that the devil's pushing your buttons. But you want to just say tonight as our heads are bowed together, Lord, I want to be that perfect expression of your love. I think that's the desire of every Christian. Lord, just make me a perfect expression of all that you are. Heavenly Father, Lord, that's your word. In a rushed way tonight, we dealt with this very deep and broad subject. But Lord, You touched our hearts with it, oh God. You brought us into a clear vision of what you're calling us to, Lord. You allowed us to see tonight, Lord. We just really want to be like you. This world has no satisfaction. The pleasures of this world are fleeting and passing away. Lord, there's nothing nothing there that will ever sustain us in any way, shape, or form. Lord, we want our pleasures to be in heaven. We want our lives to be surrendered to you. We want our tabernacles to be molded into your image. That when, when we're called to pick up our cross and bear our cross, 
when we're called to live for you in whatever situation, that there's nothing that comes out of us but an expression, a manifestation of your power, of your love. Because, Lord, when your love is expressed, it'll control the situation. Lord, when your love is expressed, it takes everything under your divine control. So, Lord, we give ourselves to you afresh tonight as Christians. And if there be anyone here tonight that's not a Christian, Lord, may they realize Filio is not going to carry them through. May they reach out to you, O God, tonight and say, Lord, I need more than this. I need more than this earthly realm of love. I need a love that comes from heaven. And Lord, may they repent of their sins. And may you pour in life within their bosom, O God, that will quicken them into the image of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We love your word. We love the truth. We love this message, Father. Lord, how you've revealed the mysteries, O God. The realities of the eternities, Lord, have been made known to your bride that is lifting us up higher and higher and higher and bringing us more and more into your likeness, more in your image, more, O God, into your perfect will for our lives. O Savior, Lord, forgive us our shortcomings. Forgive us our failures. Forgive us our mistakes. Lord, we know that you're you're doing this all to the glory of your grace. We thank you that you've told us it's not our works. Lord, it's your grace. We don't look at ourselves. We look to the Lamb of God at Calvary. That sacrifice was sufficient. And we thank you for it, Lord. We commit this service now to you. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for your word in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Make me more like Be sensitive to the Lord. Greet one another in Jesus' name.